You can go ahead and uh, turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. As you're turning there, um, pray along with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for this church and the blessings it has been to all of us. We thank you that your word is held high and most of all, you are held high. Lord, please be with us as we look at your word that we may uh, have a higher view of you and trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so a couple months ago, uh, Pastor Steve asked uh, Pastor Dave and I to cover for this Sunday while he would be away at at this uh, women's retreat um, this weekend um, for another church. And and so, as with all um, sermons and lessons, I I started to think through um, the process of, of what I was going to preach uh, and um, part of that was thinking through the congregation and uh, the life of the church and um, also my own life, uh, the events and circumstances which I have been dealing with, um, nothing major, but just the normal um, things of life and um, several themes came to mind and the potential pa- passages I could, I could preach through with, which dealt with those themes. Um, but just preaching uh, just one time and, and not going through a book or a series, I, I didn't want to really pick a text out of a book. And so I, I started to look at the Psalms, which, which stand on their own, and, and, and the shorter Psalms, and, and I was going through and and looking through the Psalms, and this one stood out to me. And it's a very popular psalm, um, one which I have memorized in the past, and, and one which I'm sure that um, some of you have memorized. Um, it's a psalm that's probably been placed on, on just about every piece of Christian paraphernalia that's possible. Um, and I'm sure that some of you owns something which has a verse from this psalm on it or the whole psalm written on it, and rightfully so. Because this psalm is popular for a reason. It's popular because it speaks so clearly and powerfully to our lives as followers of Christ. And in fact, when, it, when I, was, I was thinking about preaching this psalm and, and, and I told Pastor Steve, I said, I, I'm thinking about preaching Psalm 23. And he informed me that, that both him and Pastor Darren had preached this psalm here before. <laughs> and uh, so then I thought, well, well, how long ago was that? <laughs> and, he's, and it was quite some time. So I figured that enough time had passed that I, I, I would be able to preach it again. And... And then this morning, um, I found out that um, it was taught in Cornerstone. (laughs) And and so I was like, well, that's fine. Um, Given the content of the psalm, I I figured that it would be good enough to um, be reminded of 
what's in this psalm because of the great truths that are in it, the great truths that it proclaims. And, and in the Christian life, there, there is a sense in which there is a greater need for us to constantly be reminded of the basic fundamental truths of the Christian life, of walking with God, of, of living a life worthy of him. And to grow in a deeper understanding of those foundational doctrines that it, it's, it's more important to be reminded of these things and to grow in a deeper knowledge than, than just to learn something new that's entirely new. And in fact, as we read this psalm, you'll see that this is what David is doing. So read along with me. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, as we read this psalm, we can see that that David is reassuring himself of basic truths concerning God and himself and how God treats his people, who God is, how he leads them. And he does this by using this shepherd metaphor. And as we read the psalm, the whole psalm is really just one argument. There is just one central point. And that is this, that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That is the main argument which David aims to reassure his soul of. That Yahweh, the creator of the universe, and the covenant-keeping God of Israel is my shepherd. And therefore, I shall not want. Or more accurately, I shall not be found wanting. I shall not lack anything. Because God himself is my shepherd. That is the main point. That is the, the affirmation. That is the declaration. He makes that statement, that bold statement to reaffirm his, his soul. And then after making this bold declaration that the Lord is my shepherd and therefore I shall not want, David then pens the rest of this psalm with three main lines of evidence which support his argument. Three general areas of life which prove that the Lord indeed is my shepherd. Three ways in which the Lord shepherds me. First, he shepherds me through every need. Verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
He shepherds me through every need that I could possibly have. Every physical need and every spiritual need. This picture of green pastures. He leads me as a shepherd to the green fields, the, the lush fields, the, the welcoming pastures and meadows. Um, and for us, this is kind of like, like the Central Valley, like Bakersfield. For those of you who have been to Israel or seen pictures or been to the, the hill country of Judah, it's very similar. There's seasonal rains, um, but for the most, most part, most of the time of the year, the, the, the hills are brown, they're dry. Um, the grass is, is golden. It's, it's dry. It's, it's edible for sheep, but it's not, it's not pleasing. And then, and then there is, as we have just had here, there is the rainy season in winter where the fields turn lush and green and water flows in the, in the wadis and the, and the valleys. And there's life. And this metaphor shows that that God leads us to these pastures, not only in the times in which it's all lush and it's all green and it all looks good and, and everything is just great and lovely with my life, but he leads me to green pastures even when it's dry, even when it's rainy. The shepherd knows the lay of the land. He knows the geography. He knows where to take his sheep. He knows those little draws, those little wadis where there's water still flowing in the dry seasons. He, he knows where to bring us. And our lives are a lot like this. There, there are, are dry times. There are times of wanting. There are times of need. And yet God proves to us over and over again that he will provide. Even if it doesn't look like things are going to work out, he always leads us to the place where we can find food. He always provides for our basic needs. Not only does he, he, he make us lie down in the green pastures, but he leads us beside still waters. And, and this, this metaphor of, of the still water, of the, the gently flowing brook, um, not a rushing river, not a torrent, but gentle, still, quiet, peaceful waters. And, and this, is, this is most... Um, Important because of just the nature of sheep and the nature, nature of, of, of leading sheep and, and, and being a shepherd because sheep tend to get skittish. And the rushing waters and the torrents and, and um, the danger of flash floods, the shepherd knows these things. And so he leads his sheep. He leads his sheep to the still, still waters, the cool, the refreshing waters that don't scare the, the sheep. It, away from the, the rushing uh, flash floods or the deep rivers that, that, could, that could be a danger to the sheep crossing. And, and especially as, as you think about sheep and, and their wool 
and just the, the nature of what water would do, especially a, a rushing river that, that could, could soak their coat and soak their fleece and drag them down into the, the danger of the rushing river. The shepherd does not take us there. He takes us to the still, still waters. He provides for our every need, even when it seems like things aren't going to work out, even in the dry seasons, even in the seasons where there are flash floods and there are rushing rivers. He takes us to the green pastures. He takes us to the still waters. He provides for our every physical need. He shepherds us through every need. Second, he shepherds us through every spiritual need. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This verb in restores my soul, it's the root is shuv, the, the, the Hebrew word shuv from which we, we get the, the term repentance or return or restoration. Now, there, there's several usages of this, this word, of this verb. And right here, it does mean restore, but there, there is a sense that there is a complete uh, restoration, a complete turnaround, uh, 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 taking from what is old and, and, and dead and, and decrepit and making it new and and fresh and living. He restores our souls completely. He turns us around. From the inside out, he reaches down and he, he grabs a hold of a, us and he causes us to walk in his ways, not in our own ways. He leads us in paths of righteousness. Not only does he save us, but he sanctifies us. He guides us. He directs us. He doesn't let us go our own way as much as we would like to. These paths of righteousness, the, the, the term, the underlying Hebrew term here, it, it, it means literally uh, tracks or grooves, those worn out paths. Not because everybody is going that way, but because those are the sure way, the, the sure path that the Lord would have us go, that, that we can't divert. Once he sets us on that path and he guides us and he leads us, we cannot divert from that path. This is his, his providential care, his providential guiding in our lives to sanctify us and to conform us to his image. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And just as he leads us and cares for us in every physical need, and sometimes we don't know where we're going, and sometimes it looks like it's a dry season in life, and sometimes we don't know what's over the next hill, or we don't know what the lay of the land is, he leads us. And he does the same in our spiritual needs. He leads us in trials. He leads us in challenges. He, he leads us over obstacles. He leads us in difficult relationships to sanctify us, to conform us. What, what 
might seem like the right way in our minds that we would be sanctified, that we would be conformed to his image. He doesn't always do it that way. He leads us in his path of righteousness. And we cannot divert for that. And why does he do it? For his namesake. For his namesake. The Lord takes care of every need, every one of our needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs. He shepherds us through every need. However, if, if you're like me and you still struggle with worries and doubts and fears and anxieties over the daily requirements of life or even your, your spiritual health or your progress in sanctification and holy living, then just take a closer look at the subject and the objects of the verbs in verses 2 and 3. He makes me. He leads me. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And why? For his namesake. And because of this reason, because he does all this for his namesake and and Rest assured that he is doing this. He is the initiator. He is the one carrying this out. He will do it. He will bring it to completion. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Because this is the reason why God does everything. This is the reason why God does everything and anything at all. He does all things for his namesake. He tells Moses prior to the Passover in Exodus 9, 16, But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. In 1 Samuel 12, 22, the prophet Samuel tells the Israelites, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. In Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. And we can go all the way to Revelation 22, verses 3 to 4. And it it says there concerning the new Jerusalem, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. He calls his people. He enables his people. He provides for his people for his namesake. And at the end of the age, His name will be on our foreheads. We will be stamped as the possession of God. And we'll be in his presence. And so that all things from beginning to end will glorify him. Will be to the praise of his glory. Of his glorious name. And so our physical needs. Our spiritual needs. Because he does this for his namesake, it is a guarantee that all these needs will be met. 
We have nothing to lack. We shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd and he does all things for his name's sake, he will shepherd me through every need. Second, not only does he shepherd me through every need, but he shepherds me through every evil. Read verses 4 and 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In John 16.33, Jesus says, In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In Job 5.7, it says that man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job is speaking of, of a fire, of a, a campfire. As, just as, as sure as a fire creates sparks that fly upward, every one of us is born to trouble in this world. Every one of us experiences trouble. There is trouble in this life, and we all experience trials and tribulations, and, and most of which is from our own sins. But there's also trials and tribulations from the sins of others. And then there's trials and tribulations from living in a sin-cursed world. There's, there's trouble. We experience trouble in our daily lives. We experience trouble all throughout our lives. This world is full of evil. But we need not fear because God shepherds us through every one of the evils we face. He shepherds me through every evil. As David points out in these verses, the Lord shepherds us through three areas of evils in our lives. First, the evils that lurk before me. This is probably the most um, well-known verse of this psalm and, and, and a very popular verse itself, um, something that is quoted uh, in, in movies and songs um, by several people and, and even unbelievers that, that have no clue of where it's at in the Bible or the context or anything. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And there's so many... Uh, explanations of the shadow of death what is this valley of the shadow of death is it is there an actual valley of the shadow of death is, is there some deep dark valley in israel somewhere that is the valley of the shadow of death and and as most of us as we read this um just on the surface level we can we can see this is this is figurative language this is hyperbole there, there's, there's imagery here, uh, a deep darkness of, of the shepherd guiding his sheep through a deep valley that, that is, that is uh, full of, of shadows and caves and ravines and different draws and areas to get lost and fall down in and caves, dangers, dangers from robbers, dangers from wild animals, um, danger just from the darkness of not knowing. 
there, there's so many times in our lives that, that, that we, we just don't know. We, we fear the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen next month. We don't know how our lives are going to turn out, the twists and the turns, what's going to happen next year, where we will end up. And sometimes life can feel like the valley of the shadow of death. But this is hyperbole. This is, um, this is not literal. This is figurative. This is what I would like to term as the Hebrew country song. This is, uh, Yay, though my truck broke down, my woman left me, my kids hate me, and my dog died, I will fear no evil. Or maybe a little bit closer to home. Yay, though I just got laid off from work, my mortgage is due in a few weeks, and it sounds like my car is about to die, I will fear no evil. Or how about this? Yea, though the doctors aren't exactly sure of the diagnosis or the cure, and my insurance may not cover the expenses, if any, I will fear no evil. And why? Why, why, why do we not fear the evils that are before us? Why do we not fear the unknowns, even when life does not seem like it'll turn out, even when it seems like the whole world is against us, even when it seems that we have no resources in and of ourselves to rescue ourselves? Why will we not fear the evils that lie before me? Because you are with me. The Lord, my shepherd, is with me. And we cling to those promises that he says over and over and over again throughout Scripture. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Time and time again, he says that he will be with us. And we can see this in several places. I, I only listed five, but there's several places throughout the whole Bible that he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. Do not fear. To Jacob in, in Genesis twenty eight fifteen, he says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. To Moses, he says in Exodus three twelve, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. That that was right in the midst of of Moses um, trying to present his case to God that he's not the guy. Many times that is us. Lord, Lord, I'm not the guy. I'm not the person you have for this task. You you must have picked somebody else. Um, I'm not equipped for this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how it'll turn out. I don't have the tools. I don't have the the knowledge. I don't have the experience. And God says, no, you're the man. You're the woman. You're the person that I have for this task because you are here and you are doing it. And don't fear because I will be with you. And I will bring you through it. To Joshua, he says in Joshua 1, 9, Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To Jeremiah, as as he lays this weighty task before Jeremiah to to cry out to the people that have have turned away from the covenant, that have um, turned to idols, that have blasphemed God, that have done everything but obey. He calls Jeremiah to call them to repentance. And and here Jeremiah is, is placed with this Herculean task that he is totally ill-equipped and unable to do. To Jeremiah, he says in Jeremiah 1.8, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And he calls him to call them to repentance. And very few, if any, actually heard him. They all rejected him. Yet God was with him through that deep, dark valley of the shadow of death. God was with Jeremiah. He was with Joshua. He was with Moses. He was with Jacob. He was with all his people, all his prophets, all his people throughout the Old Testament. And then we get to the New Testament and Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. You see, wherever life takes us or whatever is before us, whatever um, task or trial or danger, whatever evils may lurk before us, we do not fear because he is with us and he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He shepherds us through the evils that lurk before us. Second, the Lord will shepherd me through the evils that are all around me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This image of the rod and the staff, we, we think of the rod in, in Scripture, and, and, and most of us go to the, just the idea, the concept of discipline. You shall not spare the rod, but this rod is a, a little bit different. This, this is a club. This is a, a club that, that shepherds would usually carry with them, and, and it might even have some flint or stone or, or something studded in it, and, and it was to ward off the wild animals and the enemies. It was to protect the sheep from the wild, enem- wild animals, from the enemies that, that might steal the sheep. It was also to protect the shepherd. This was a frightening rod, and the shepherd wielded it well. He protects his sheep from any evil that would befall the sheep. He defends his sheep. He cares for his sheep. But also the shepherd has a staff. And as most of us have seen the shepherd's staffs or, or, or things that look like a shepherd's staff, or pictures, we see the crook. We see the, the long crook, the hook. And, and, and this, this staff is, is specially designed, specially crafted to guide the sheep, to direct them, to pull them out of a ditch, out of a rushing water, to pull them away from danger if they should fall on it. Also to uh, snatch the wandering sheep. To, to grab a leg, 
or a neck if possible, if need be. It's also used to, to maybe um, give them a tap, <laughs> to, to, to let them know that, that the shepherd is the shepherd. And so we have this, this view of, of the evils from the enemies and the, and the, the, the wild animals, and, and then there's the evils from within us. Uh, of our, our tendency to wander into danger, of our tendency to stray from the past, of our tendency to go wherever we feel like going in the moment. And the shepherd not only protects us from the evils without, but he protects us from the evils within. And he guides us and he protects us and he disciplines us. As Hebrews 12 um, verses 5 to 6 says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Oftentimes in, in, our, in our lives, as we face trials and we face challenges and and we wonder what is going wrong and, and what, is, what is happening with my life. And, and, and the tendency is to blame everything outside of us when, when the fact is that the problem lies within us. It's not just the evils that are all around us in this, this sin-cursed world, but it's the evils within us, within side of our own heart and our tendency to wander. And the shepherd is faithful to not only protect us from the evils without, but to protect us from the evils within and to guide us and to bring us home. And here David says that these implements, these implements of pain, of discipline, of guidance, they comfort me. There, there is a, a comfort and a rest in, in knowing that Someone is protecting you, is watching out for you. There, there, is, there is a comfort in the child to know that his father will discipline him if he gets out of line. There is comfort in children to know that, that their parents will protect them. They will guide them. They will lead them. And there is comfort in us to know that the Lord, our shepherd, will not only protect us, but will discipline us. You know, every time, there's only been a handful of times that I have sat in a church and heard a church discipline case brought before the congregation. But every single time, it comforts me. It comforts me. It convicts me. It helps me because I know that my sin will not be treated lightly. I know that, that sin itself will not be treated lightly. I know that I will be called to holiness. And it convicts me to press on in holiness. It comforts my soul. So the Lord, he, he shepherds me. He shepherds me through every evil, the evils that lurk before me, the evils that are all around me and within me. And he shepherds me through the evils that lie behind me. These are the evils that have, I have passed, I have gone through, I've gone over. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
I, I, I remember the, the, the first time reading this verse and, and, and me as a military man, as a veteran, I'm reading this and it says my enemies and then it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and I am like, what? A table? What is a table going to do? How about... How about a line of defense? How about some tanks? How about some artillery? How about a triple strand concertina wire, some claymore mines, um, some guys with bows and arrows and shields? What is a table? Especially in the presence of my enemies. Maybe I'll flip the table over and, and hide behind it, but, but that, that's not the table that the Lord has in mind. This is a picture of a banquet. This is a, a celebration. This is victory, assured victory. And, and mine enemies, my enemies are there watching me while I am in Safety, because my Lord has defeated them. He has crushed them. And they lie defeated. And I am being lavished with all sorts of delights and delicacies to feast upon. He shepherds me through all evils. And even the evils that I have passed so that I, I, I come past the evils in my life and I look backwards and I see my enemies defeated. I see them vanquished and I look to my Lord who is providing for me and he provides me this feast, this celebration in the very presence of my enemies. And then he anoints my head with oil, which for us seems kind of weird, but um, as we look at the context of Scripture and, and the, the ancient Israelites and, and the, the practice of anointing with, with oil, and we understand that, that oil was often used and mixed with, with uh, fragrances and spices, and, and it had a cooling and a refreshing effect, and, and it, it, it softened wounds from the battle. It flowed over. It, it made you smell nice. It made you presentable. He anoints us, and then our cup overflows. He gives us everything we need. And, and as I, I read this, as I read about this anointing, naturally it, it brings me to the, the New Testament and how Christ leads us. How Christ leads us. In, in 2 Corinthians two fourteen to 16 the Apostle Paul um, explains the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of the gospel to the Corinthians. And he says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. This, is, this, this um, picture is of a Roman uh, victory 
parade of a Roman, after they had come back to Rome after their, their successful campaign, and they would, the, the, the Roman generals and, and the legionnaires and, and the, the captains, they would all line up and they, they, they would have their, they would march through Rome and they, they would lead their enemies before them, captured the enemies that would end up um, either becoming slaves or executed. They, they would lead them before the procession and there would be um, just fragrance of incense burning and all sorts of celebration and fragrances of food. And this is a picture of Christ leading us in triumphal procession and spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Paul goes on in verse 15, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. But there is a fragrance that flows from us because of God's anointing. So we see that the Lord, he, he shepherds me through every need. He shepherds me through every evil. And finally, he shepherds me through every stage of life. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Every stage of our life, his goodness and his mercy follow us. This this term is goodness, surely goodness. That, that, that is God's goodness because God is good and his goodness flows out in every attribute, in everything he does, in every action, in every word. He is showing his goodness and he shows his goodness primarily in and through his people, but also mercy. And, and this term mercy underlining underlying this term this translation that that is mercy is that beautiful hebrew term chesed chesed which can be translated mercy steadfast love loving kindness it's it's really um difficult because it, it it's several Aspects of love and mercy and kindness and grace and forgiveness. And that's why it's most often um, translated as loving kindness or steadfast love. That it endures forever. It continues to go. It's a sure mercy. It's a sure love. It's a sure kindness to us. And not only does it follow me. And this verb should be translated pursue. It pursues me. It chases me. It comes after me. It does not leave me. And, and right here in, in this text, if we look at the previous verse, that word pursue is not by accident. David uses that verb that should be translated pursue because this comes right on the heels of the celebration banquet. So that instead of being pursued by enemies, 
I am pursued by the Lord's goodness and his mercy and his steadfast love. And and, and not just after the battle, but all the days of my life. His mercy and his goodness, it follows me. It pursues me all the way until the end, every stage of this earthly life, and then every stage of the life hereafter, his goodness and his mercy pursue me all the way until I end up in the house of the Lord and I glorify him, seeing him face to face, conformed to his image, made renewed, restored, glorified, And I dwell there forever and ever. He shepherds me through every need. He shepherds me through every evil. He shepherds me through every stage of life. And this is the way my Savior leads me. He shepherds me. The Lord is my shepherd, and he shepherds me through every need, every evil, every stage of life, all the way into eternity with them. So that in the midst of of all our doubts, all our fears, all our anxieties, all our worries over the circumstances of this life, we can remind ourselves of these truths as David did, and as he does in this psalm, that The Lord, the one and only eternal God and creator of the universe is our shepherd. And therefore we shall not want nor lack anything we need in the moment. And we can rest in his promises in scripture to shepherd us. And we can look at our lives and see that he has been faithful to shepherd us. And at the end of our lives, or even now, as we look back, we can say with Fanny Crosby, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Lord Jesus, you are our shepherd, the good shepherd who has laid down your life for us, your sheep, and you have led us and you will lead us all the way home to the place you have prepared for us in your father's house. Lord, please forgive us for our doubts. Please forgive us for our fears, our worries, our anxieties, and help us to live lives worthy of your name by which you have called us. And to walk in a manner worthy of your gospel through which you have saved us. For your glory, in your name we pray. Amen.